Before we start the show, we'd like to remind our audio listeners that this show was developed as a video podcast. If you'd like to see any of the visuals that are referenced in this episode, we invite you to check out our YouTube channel. Simply search for the Conquer Risk podcast. You'll see all the shows we produce, including this one. And just like the audio, you can subscribe to be notified the moment a new episode drops. Enjoy the show. Before we start the show, we'd like to remind our audio listeners that the this show was developed by Potomac as a video podcast. podcast. If you'd like to this see any of the visuals charged. that are referenced in this episode, we invite you to check out our YouTube channel. Simply search for the Conquer Risk Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Who Charted, the new and improved Who Charted. With me, as always, is Manish Kata. A little bit of a different format here. Uh, we've gotten rid of the six charts in six minutes to allow me to free roll, free roll a little bit more. Um, Manish, what are we uh, what are we talking about today? Let's go. We're bringing back the talent. Okay, first up, we have something that has been in the news a lot lately, regional banks. The trend has been ugly for quite some time, but it seems like recently someone pushed grandma off the stairs, bullish or bearish. Uh, I think that there's an old saying in the markets that, you know, companies and sectors don't crash from all-time highs. Uh, this is bearish, but it's been bearish. Uh, obviously, regional banks failing around the U.S., probably not a bullish development. Um, there's also a saying that there's never just one cockroach. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some more um, news headlines regarding other banks. We've already started to see that this week. Uh, but I think the simple fact of the matter is simple risk management would have kept you out of the regional banks. This trend was bearish for a while. It just got a lot more ugly. And I've gotten a couple calls about if I should move all my money out of checking accounts. So. Uh, the more news that comes, the more mattress. Calls the mattress is looking good. All right, next topic: the two-year note. Don't quote me on this, but I think you had mentioned to me that recent moves were a 13 standard deviation event. Bullish or bearish? Uh, that's actually a bearish signal, in my opinion. So the 13 standard deviation event was on the rates. This chart is of the price of the two-year note, so you can see it exploding to the upside after bouncing from levels that it bounced from in 2007-2008. Now, if you remember your history, 2007-2008 were exciting times in the market. Uh, essentially, what I think is happening here is we are beginning to see a re-steepening of the yield curve. A lot of people get excited about the yield curve when it inverts and they immediately start calling for a recession. Um, however, it's the re-steepening uh, that becomes an issue. But before we get to that, the move this week, we had a one-day move this week that was on par with you know, some exciting events in the past, back in the late 90s, the Asian financial crisis, uh, not as extreme uh, as what we saw in 07 and 08, but still um, the largest one day move in the two year notes since the 07, 08 timeframe. Uh, that is probably not a bullish development. Uh, it, it based the bond market is basically saying LOL to Powell um, and he's going to cut rates and QE's back. So all time highs here to come. I think that that's fair about the bond market calling Powell out. QE might be aggressive at this stage. Maybe Get on board, QT. Dan. Get on. on board. Come on. Next topic. The yield curve. So I'm going to use a word that I'm not really sure is a word, but correct me if I'm wrong. But past recessions have begun when the yield curve has become uninverted. Uninverted, if it's not a real word, I think we should invent it because that's the word that makes sense here. 
if you just kind of look back at over 40 years of data on the yield curve, and this is the two uh, the 210 curve or the 102 curve, however you want to pronounce it, uh, the red shaded areas on this chart are NBER labeled recessions, and all but 1980, the yield curve was already heading higher and basically uninverted or back above the zero line or upward sloping for you purists out there um, before the recession started. So a lot of people, as we were saying earlier, see the yield curve invert and they start you know, screaming about recessions, uh, but it's really the re-steepening of the curve that should that should scare you. Now, the curve was inverted by more than 1% at one point last week. It is now less than 50 basis points after that explosive move in the two-year, uh, which you can see up front, we've zoomed in a little bit, and you've seen just this massive move to the upside uh, for the curve on the heels of that move in the 10-year. I think that um, if you wanted to sound a lot smarter about calling recessions, now is a better time to call it. Uh, then, you know, roughly this time last year when the curve first, first inverted. The recession that we've all been calling for for 18 months. Yeah, I think you could just be a little bit smarter and get your timing better if you really want to be a doomsday person, which I'm not, in fairness, uh, a doomsday person. But uh, if you want to be a little smart about calling a recessions, look for that re-steepening rather than the initial inversion. That's Got better, it. By the way. Next topic, one of my favorite quotes on our website, men lie, women lie, charts don't. You can speculate on headlines or you can just wait for credit spreads to start to widen. Bullish or bearish? Obviously a bearish development here in credit spreads. Uh, after a quick bullish development, generally speaking here, what we're looking at is high yields, credit spreads, as well as triple C and below credit spreads. Right, so triple C and below is like the crap of the crap, uh, where high yield is just crap. Uh, both of these spreads in the initial kind of conversations around Silicon Valley Bank going under late last week uh, were actually below their one-year moving averages and heading down. Uh, but subsequent to that, we got we got a lot more headlines, right? We had a bank seized, um, signature bank seized. We have Credit Suisse teetering, even though it's been a flaming pile of dumpster fire for a long time. Um, you have First Republic. Uh, getting a deposit injection and the stock still trading lower. Uh, with all of that playing out this week, credit spreads have widened out. Both the high yield and the triple C and below have started to widen out. Why is this important? Because generally speaking, these spreads start to widen, i.e. that black line starts moving higher ahead of quote unquote events, right? Are we going to have an event? I have no idea. But in my opinion, the bond market is actually telling you we're more likely to have one now uh, than we were this time last week. And if you kind of line that up with two years, and if you line that up with the curve re-steepening, I guess if you really, really wanted to, you could call me Manisha's favorite nickname for me, Doomsday Dan, because this episode clearly points to that. Sorry. I mean, the, the, the bond market is smarter than the stock market, right? That's what they say. All right, moving on. <laughs> so it, it, it seems like it's pretty easy to launch an ETF these days. Uh, I keep seeing FinTwit celebrities come out with their new ETF every other week. Uh, problem is, just because you have a good idea doesn't mean you have distribution. And just because you're on Twitter doesn't mean you can actually manage money. Bullish or bearish? I am bearish on this trend. And I, the reason I'm bearish on it is not because I don't think it's a good idea. Listen, I think that if you have a following... 
And if you're a smart investor and you have an opportunity to allow your followers uh, to invest, right? If you really believe in what you're saying and they believe in what you're saying, then yeah, let's roll the dice. However, what I think this leads to, and I think we've seen it in a lot of cases so far, is it leads to portfolio construction that leads, that lends rather, uh, to the side, uh, to the sensational side, right? Where you really feel like you have to come out and make a splash. And kind of what you see here are some high profile ETFs that have launched uh, from some high profile people on social media. And in my opinion, they have mostly, with the exception of one that just launched, the timing on that pretty decent. Um, the rest of them have been kind of an unmitigated disaster uh, from a performance standpoint. So just because somebody has a large following on social media, to Manish's point, uh, to your point, it doesn't mean that they're great investors. Uh, I think you have to come to this like you would come to anything else, any other investment, right? Follow trends, manage risk. But I do think that there is this potential to construct portfolios somewhat recklessly to try to hit a home run right out of the gate and more often than not we've seen that blow up stop launching etfs people you're not as good as you think you are you can't raise any money just do something else uh, i was waiting next topic uh proving once again that no one knows what they're talking about the yellow rock historically known as an inflation hedge has done jack shit since inflation started bullish or bearish all right i'm gonna push back on this one slightly because i actually think gold is still bullish as an inflation hedge if that's how you want to use it in your portfolio because i think that forever and always markets are a relative game and now if you go back to the lead up to when cpi numbers really started to blow out Gold actually had a nice run. So if you believe that markets are discounting mechanisms, you can make the case that gold front ran those CPI prints that were up in the seven, eight and nine range. And more importantly, I think is that, you know, this chart goes back about a year, a little over a year, up four and a half percent compared to the S&P is outperformance compared to the quote unquote safe haven treasuries is certainly outperformance over the past year. So I'm going to push back here and say that as long as boomers are still invested in the market, gold is probably still bullish as an inflation hedge. But once the boomers are done, I think we're going to be moving on to something else for that portion of the portfolio. I've uh, managed money for maybe 20 years, and I think I have never made a single dollar on any gold trade. All right. So we're personal problem. We'll take gold right. out of it. We're, we're just not going to, we're going to buy, we'll, we'll buy Bitcoin. Yes, sir. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you for joining us on the new, new, new Who Charted, starring uh, Manish Kata, CEO and CIO, Potomac Fund Management. So like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Thanks, everyone. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.